Before we begin this episode, Grace and I would like to take this opportunity to send Bruce Willis and his family our love and thoughts at this difficult time. Recently, his family released a statement saying that Bruce is retiring from acting after having been diagnosed with aphasia, a disease which will affect his cognitive abilities. Thank you for giving us such great movie memories. You are the best action hero of your time, but you will always be David Addison to us. We, we love, love you, Bruce. Bruce. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Well, hello, Grace. <laughs> is that our new intro, Shauna? <laughs> Today it is, yes. I'm very excited. I'm just dancing right into the podcast. Knowing her is the discussion topic. Fantastic. So I'll say this now because it would have been at the start. Welcome, everybody, to Moonlighting the Podcast. Thank you for being here. We are up to Season 2, Episode 6, and it's called Knowing Her. It first aired on the 12th of November, 1985. It was directed by Peter Werner. It was written by Jeff Reno and Ron Osborne. Guest stars, Dana Delaney as Gillian Armstrong, Joel Kalodner as Harlan Armstrong, Richard McGonagall as Detective Barber, Diane Travis as the Secretary, Tyra Farrell as the Hooker. Yes. And it had... um... Another title that I think it was the working title that sometimes it's still listed under. Do you know what it is? Yes. Blast from the past. That's right. Blast from the past. Synopsis of the episode. Maddie has a bad morning trying to change her flat tire in the rain. After she arrives at the office, a wealthy client called Gillian Armstrong, played by Dana Delaney, walks into Blue Moon, who asks Maddie to find the locket that her grandmother gave her that has been stolen from her hotel room. David walks in stunned when he sees the client because he used to be in a relationship with her. Blinded by his emotions for Gillian, David begins to suspect that her estranged husband is trying to kill her when she is in a series of apparent accidents, one of which he witnesses. 
Julian shoots her husband during a confrontation in his car. This is witnessed by David, who confirms with the police that it was a matter of self-defence. However, Maddie is not convinced. No, she is not. Not in the slightest. (laughs) And with good reason. That's right. And we were just talking about woman's intuition, and I think that applies to Maddie in this episode. You know, she she was uh, picking up on something with this Jillian. Yeah, she couldn't quite put her finger on it, but, um, yeah, we'll get to that. Would you like to begin? Sure. Kind of a different opening for Moonlighting. Um, Singing in the Rain is playing, and it's a montage of very wet and rainy scenes around Los Angeles. And I'm sure you know Grace. Um, They show flowers, some carnations, an umbrella opening, people walking their dogs in the rain, you know, people splashing around. There's kind of a wide shot of a street. This to me, it looks very much like the universal backlot, unless it's um, Pasadena or, you know, a little smaller town right outside of LA or something. The white shot of the street looks almost small townish, I guess. It doesn't read Los Angeles to me. To me, it reads more like universal backlot. I don't know about you, but uh, the cars are so huge and long and dated, you know, for, I guess it's eighties, but it's just funny how large and long the cars were back then you know so those are my kind of initial thoughts as it's opening you know with the music and the different montage of scenery that we're getting what were you thinking oh yeah the first impressions are the bright colors when you see the carnations they're so bright and then you see the umbrella yeah and obviously it's an homage to singing in the rain the movie from 1952 which coincidentally was choreographed by Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly. And Stanley Donnan ah. assisted with um, Big Man on Mulberry Street. The other thing I noticed too is that when you notice the gentleman that steps in the water in the puddle, yeah, I think that's a dedication to Gene Kelly because he did that in one of the scenes in Singing in the Rain when he's actually singing in the rain. Yeah, kind of stomps his foot and splashes the water. Or does he yeah. step down off the curb? Or- yeah, he steps down off the curb, yes. Okay. It. I can kind of picture that. Yeah, it's a great movie if you haven't watched it. It's a great movie starring Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds and great dancer Sid Charisse. So if you haven't watched it, yeah. definitely go and watch it and you'll be able to listen and watch Gene Kelly sing this song without it being cut off by a door slam. <laughs> <laughs> or an elevator ding. Or an elevator ding. <laughs> it's actually a great movie to watch if you want a bit of a pick-me-up. You know, it's um, feeling down or feeling blue. Sit down and watch Singing in the Rain with some popcorn. Yeah, it's a lot of singing and dancing, a lot of fun. So when we hear that ding and the elevator doors open and we see Maddie's feet, that puddle that is beneath her, I was thinking, what does the BMW look like? She's this wet and muddy and dripping in the elevator here after sitting in the car and all that stuff, you know. (laughs) I wouldn't think the car would be in very good condition, especially the driver's seat. Exactly. It's got to be a mess. That BMW goes through a lot, you know. One thing I noticed when she's walking down the corridor towards the door of Blue Moon, obviously she's lost one of her heels, but I did Mm -hmm. notice that those shoes are quite high, the higher shoes that she would normally wear. Yes, and I noticed something else about the shoes. Yeah. I thought for sure Grace would be like noticing. Um, but maybe you didn't. 
I'm 99.9% sure that we're seeing two different pairs and styles of pumps. When the elevator door opens, it's kind of a style of pump where right over the foot, it kind of comes to a V, the leather is kind of layered, you know, but then when we cut to her walking down the hallway, it's a different style of shoe. It's more of like a ballerina slipper cut. Oh, I didn't notice that. Now take a closer look. Two different styles of shoes. I looked a couple times pretty closely. I agree. Higher heel than Sybil would wear. And let's be honest, that's not Sybil. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Um, <laughs> so whoever's wearing those shoes, they switch the shoes up on us from the elevator opening to walking down the hallway. Hmm. So take a closer look at that. And then we get a door slam <laughs> and a growl. <laughs> so Maddie, the growling. Oh God. Yes. Well, she slams it open though, doesn't she? Yeah. Slams yeah. It open. So she yeah. slams it open. They all look up and she walks in head up high, chest open, you know, like <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fine trying to let the employees know that all is good, but then Mr. DePesto yeah. says, morning, Miss Hayes, and that was a bad idea. I know. Oh, gosh, I know. Morning, Miss Hayes. And she gets a... One of her big growls. Love it. And it's so funny of Agnes, too. I mean, you see she's slammed the door open. You see she looks like a total disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Agnes, of course, Agnes is going to say, good morning, Miss Hayes, you know, trying to, you know, be sweet and everything. And, you know, Maddie's trying to, like you said, retain her poised demeanor. Her mind isn't matching her body language. And uh, the record skip is hilarious too when she goes into her office. Yes, I like that. It's the scratch of a record, the old way when we used to lift up the needle and we'd scratch it instead. And she slams her way into the office. So by Maddie slamming her door, this wakes up David from his little nap. He's, he comes out yawning and stretching and, oh, David, and then they're napping. Nap time is not what it used to be. <laughs> Look at him. He's just in there. Yeah, he's napping or whatever, but he's waiting for Maddie. As soon as he hears that she slammed her way in, he's right out the door. Because he can't wait to have a go at her for being late. <laughs> he's so happy that he's caught her. Finally. I know. Screwing up, a- coming in late. He's always getting shit for coming in late and now... She's going to get it. And I love when he says, Hot damn, this is it. A red letter day for irony lovers everywhere. I can see it now. Addison tells Hayes she's late. Film at 11. Pinch me. This must be a dream. (laughs) (laughs) I love that whole dialogue he has with Agnes there. But, of course, Agnes tries to warn him. Mr. Addison, I should probably warn you. Yeah, you probably should, but why spoil the fun? He knows it's more fun not to know what's really going on with Maddie. He wants to go spar with her. He wants to go call her out on it. He wants her to get riled up. He wants her to get angry. He wants her to get hot and bothered. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he rolls with Maddie Hayes. Well, he definitely succeeded in this next scene when he enters her office and... She's not there. And then he turns around the corner and notices that she's in her bathroom and the water's running. And yeah. then that's when he begins his dialogue, a real smart ass. <laughs> Good morning. At least I think it's still morning. Oh, God. <laughs> 
go away. You know what? I watched this part over and over again. I love how he says, Go, go away. Go away. You show up three hours late and you tell me to go away. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next part too. But the door slamming, Maddie, the door slamming. Yeah, it's a major faux pas, yeah. office behavior-wise. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That's great that he calls her out on that door slamming. That's so funny. Yeah, I think that's an inside joke. Yes, definitely. Calling out the reference to the show or calling out the obvious to the show or something like that. I like the story he tells about the guy who slammed the Blue Moon's front door and the vase fell on his noggin. Oh, that was so funny. I'm thinking, like, where could a vase fall on his noggin and all of that? You know, he's making up some yeah. story. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Also, um, just before we go too, too far into this scene, I like, Uh, when he first opens the door and he looks at her office and you get this really wide shot of Maddie's office. And if you pause it, you can kind of see everything that she's got in there, you know, as far as like a TV and a VCR and like a vase here and flowers there and everything on her desk. You know, once in a while we get these wide shots of like the blue moon officer, Maddie's officer, David's office. And it's kind of fun to get a good look of how they're styled and decorated. Yes. I paused it as well and had a bit of a look and noticed something was misplaced later on, which I'll, when we get to it, I'll tell you about it. David taking such pleasure in getting to lecture Maddie finally and telling her, you know, it's kind of role reversal. You know, he's playing her part now, like he's just relishing in it. He's reveling. And of course, he doesn't know why. He just thinks she's slept in. Yeah, he doesn't know. He hasn't seen her yet. So she's slowly steaming in that bathroom as he's talking, talking, and then he's telling the story about the guy who slammed the front door. And, of course, (laughs) her entrance in this episode is classic and she slams the door open. What do you want? And slams the door into him. Oh, yeah, that's right. She did that beforehand. Yeah, she slammed the door into him. (laughs) Okay, we'll let that slide for the moment. (laughs) (laughs) He loves being pushed around by Matty Hayes. I think he really enjoys it. He's sadistic sometimes. He's like, no, I'm going to enjoy this. (laughs) He is. He is enjoying it. And it's fun to watch. Yes. When we first see her and her standing there and that initial shot between her legs is just, you know, what a great shot. That was such a great idea. Having the camera down so low between the legs, the pantyhose down and looking up at David and the classic line when he says, It's a whole new you. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. And her standing there just taking it for the moment as he circles her. I know how it is. Tired of the same old, same old. Had enough glamour for one lifetime. Ready to take a fashion risk. I got to admit, though, the part about jumping in the septic tanks got me stumped. I think she's so tired from her morning of changing attire, getting all dirty, finally getting to work, and she's just too tired to argue with him. You know, she's just letting him (laughs) go around her, telling her tired of the same old, same old. (laughs) So funny. Such great dialogue. And she's just like, she's just letting him. Yeah, for for the moment. For now. Of course, then he's got to really stick it to her with the part about jumping in the septic tank has me stumped though. You know, like she smells bad or something. It's like, <laughs> oh, David, now you've gone one step too far. But I really think he's he's enjoying it, walking around her, checking her out, trying to work <laughs> out what the hell's happened. 
yeah, just by the look of her, he just knows, oh boy, now I can really ruffle her feathers because she's had a bad morning. He's already very pissed off and like push her just a little bit further. And sorry if my appearance offends you, but I had to change a tie by myself in the wind and the rain. <laughs> and then he goes, not a good day to ask for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, his, his little witty comebacks, you know. He's not very sympathetic. No, he's not at all. He just loves pushing her buttons. Oh, yeah, and he does a good job. Maddie's really upset that not one man stopped to help her. But David says, what do you expect looking like that? Oh, my God. <laughs> my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's like, where are all the gentlemen? In their cars, out of the wind and the rain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an answer for everything. Drives you nuts. Oh, my gosh, I know. Would drive you nuts. David's got a good point, too, about the movement. He said, you should be ashamed of yourself. It goes back to the old 80s sexism argument again. Big topic in the 80s and big topic on moonlighting. It's a common theme in moonlighting for sure. Yeah. What about the rights women have dropped their mops for, scratched and clawed for, broken nails for? And I love it when he says, Do you think it's because your voice is higher, your chest is bumpier, that you are entitled to roadside service every time your car blows a tire in the rain? The way <laughs> he delivers that line is so yeah. good. It's like yes. he gets, he crescendos and he gets angry at the end of it. It's just terrific. Yes, there's the, the musicality that uh, Glenn's mentioned. And the blocking here, you know, we, we talk about a lot of times we have some behind the scenes footage of moonlighting bloopers and things like that. And there's a great blooper from this episode later. That's one of my favorite. Yes. And that we'll talk about more when we get to it. But, you know, we always say it would be so great if we could see some footage of them blocking scenes. Like, how did they work out the scenes together? You know, and this whole scene where he stands up, she kicks the chair or she's sitting down. Oh, she pushes the chair back. She stands up. He leans against the desk. She stumbles, he catches her, you know, that whole dance that they do is very well coordinated. Mm. And I just would love to see them work out that whole blocking, you know, I'll push the chair back. I stand up, you know what I mean? You can see it's all very like coordinated, but done so smoothly and perfectly in the moment. But I just love to see them like working that out. You would hope somebody would have recorded that as well. But in those days, they didn't have little featurettes for DVDs like we Mm. do now where they actually record them recording. <laughs> I don't know. There must be something. They must Gotta have be something out there. Yeah. Yeah. And when it starts streaming, and I know someday it will, and they give us some little extras, I hope that's in it. I hope some blocking scenes are in it. I know there's like more behind the scenes stuff that like we could see. I just know there is. Somewhere in a vault gathering dust. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, anyway, he catches her. She brushes him off. And, I, you know, of course he turns it sexual and she tells him he sleeps in a pen. <laughs> yeah she says can you honestly tell me that you've never needed a woman's help can you actually stand there and honestly tell me that you've never needed a woman's help hey do man- majors multiply do eggs get laid of course i've needed a woman's help i just the other morning i was sitting in bed saying boy i could use a real addison you sleep in a pen yes yes of course he turns it sexual and do math majors multiply do eggs get laid is that what he says there yeah just before Something that yes yep okay uh, <laughs> One of his Addison-isms. I love Sybil here, like pushing her chest out yeah, just when as she, she's pushing him in the door. Yeah, when yeah. she says, look, Buster, I am an independent mm, yeah. woman. I got here, didn't I? Yeah. Fix the tie. I got back well, to exactly. the office. That she owns, by the way. Mm-hmm. She is a very good example of 
independent women in, in the eighties making their way, you know, but sometimes you need some help in life. That's all she's saying. And I own this place by myself, which is a very attractive idea. Mm-hmm. I love how she kicks him out and she's trying to walk with the pantyhose down to her knees. Yes. And what song is playing? The sound effects is like the itsy bitsy spider. It's like, or pop goes the weasel or something like that. Some like children's song. <laughs> no, you're right. It is. It is um, incy wincy spider. In Australia, we okay. say incy wincy spider. I don't know why. But yeah, we, we've okay. always sung it that way. And you guys say itsy bitsy spider. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So that was so, just. A, <laughs> yeah, it was a good song to choose for yeah. her to take off her pantyhose. Yeah, and how she's walking, you know, with the pantyhose between her legs and all of that stuff. Yeah. And she takes them off and tosses them on the floor. But just before David leaves, he has to add a little bit more to aggravate her. Pick you up some nylons at the store downstairs. Out! Stay put. Appearances count. You want to attract clients, you got to dress for success. Or in your case, dress period. <laughs> and then you get her big groan. <laughs> and she clenches her fists. Yeah, she's really annoyed with him. He offers to go get her pantyhose at the store. That's right. There's a store downstairs, apparently, that sells pantyhose. And how David knows this, I don't know. But. <laughs> um, so she sits down and Agnes knocks on the door to say that there's a woman here to see you. Mm-hmm. And again, there wouldn't have been enough time. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, you got, you, did you get that idea too? Because he would have passed Gillian either in the office exactly. or down the corridor. Yeah, how did he not see Jillian already? Mm. I agree. Absolutely not enough time. But it's television. I guess you got to move it along. But yeah, yeah, definitely not. So Jillian walks in. One thing I noticed about this particular scene and a lot of other scenes in this episode, yeah. a lot of the shots are single shots. Therefore, they are not in the room together. Yeah, um, I noticed that definitely in other scenes. I noted it. Um, I didn't sometimes you just don't think about it. You know, you're so like in the scene, but you're right. I noticed, yes, this might've been a point in the show where people needed some kind of breaks. And I feel like Sybil got a lot of breaks in this episode, even though she's in it a lot, but she's not in it a lot. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like Bruce has got scenes with Dana Delaney and we'll get to it. But anyway, yes. Yeah. We'll get to the scenes as they come along. Come join our Facebook community at fans of Moonlighting the Podcast. And our Instagram community at Moonlighting the Podcast. But this yeah. particular scene, I think Dana Delaney and Sybil are only in one cut of this scene, one little cut. The rest, okay. they're not together. Yeah. I would have liked to okay. have had, you know, a few more shots of them together in the same room. I know. Now, one thing I noticed was that. When Julian walks in and she welcomes her in and then Maddie walks backwards to put the pantyhose in the bin, that bin has been moved because if you look at that wide shot when David walks in, the bin's against the wall. Mm. But all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. because she has to put the pantyhose in the bin, they're right next to the desk. I thought about that too in the way that like, oh, it wouldn't have been right there next to the desk because she would have, they would have tripped over it by now, you know? I mean, they're walking. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I agree. They It's been placed so she can back into it and drop the pantyhose. And yeah, it's funny how Maddie really didn't care like how she looked. She was just, uh, Agnes was like, there's a woman here to see him. She's like, send her in. She wasn't like, oh, shoot, the way I'm looking. Oh no. You know, she's just like, send her in. She really didn't care that she was all muddy and looking. I think, she, yeah, I think she was 
quite proud of herself that she changed her own tire and didn't care what she looked like. And because it was a woman coming in, I think she had great pleasure in telling Gillian that she changed a tire this morning, hence my appearance. Yes. And the other thing is there's a woman here to see you. Usually they're like, a woman? A case? A woman? <laughs> you know? And she didn't seem surprised at all, you know, that they had a case and the woman was there to see them and all of that stuff. Yeah, maybe they're starting to get cases now. Yeah, maybe. But then somewhere into the rainbow comes next and they seem surprised that someone's there to see them then. But maybe she was just, okay, a woman's here to see me, you know, <laughs> send her in. Like maybe she already had, had dealt with enough that day. It's like, okay, send her in. Yeah, I think, yeah, she'd already had enough. Was a bit over it. Probably didn't want to be there, wanted to go home. So her yeah. care factor right now is zero. Zero cares. Gillian begins to tell Maddie that the locket that was given to her by her grandmother has been stolen from her hotel room and she gives her the photo. Apparently there was other pieces as well, but this particular piece is of sentimental value and she would like Maddie to find it. And just at that moment, David walks in. How's the face? Um, <laughs> how's the face? And the sexy music begins. Gosh, I know. It really does turn into a, a romantic movie scene, like mm. uh, Maddie says. I, I feel like I walked in the middle of a movie. It becomes all very serious and sexy and chemistry eyes going back and forth between Julian and David. And David looks a bit stunned. You got a bit, a bit of a triangle going on, Shauna. Gosh, I know. Don't and, like that. And Maddie's looking at him and looking at her. And she's like, um, excuse me, do you two know each other? <laughs> and Gillian does come across quite innocent. And she says to David, I thought you worked for City of Angels. And, of course, he said, we changed the name. But mm-hmm. I can't get over all the single shots in this scene. This is something I really mm-hmm. highlighted when I took notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I would have liked to have seen more wide shots of all three of them together. But anyway. Do we get any of that? Do we? I didn't even, I didn't. No. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, I kind of think back on it. Yeah. It's a lot of close-ups of like, I think there's one shot of like uh, Maddie and or David standing next to Maddie. So like one shot of them together, but mm. yeah, I don't think there's a big, there's a master shot of the three of them together. Is there maybe? No. I wonder if Sybil was ever there for any of the days that Dana shot. Well, that's what I was wondering while I was watching it. I'm thinking, I wonder if they met. Well, they did because when she came in, they shook she shook hands with, well, oh, actually, okay. you know what? When she first walks in, it's the back of Maddie, which might not be her. Then it shows the front of Maddie shaking hands with somebody, but there's nobody there. So I'm sort of wondering mm-hmm. whether they were actually all there in the same room for, for any particular shot. Because from memory, there's no master shot of all three of them. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe, you know. Two things, Sybil needed a break and didn't Sybil kind of get jealous sometimes when there were other women for <laughs> for David and for Bruce? Oh and I think God, Dana Delaney was a friend of Bruce. He invited her to come on the show and play the role. So maybe Sybil was like, I'm out. Because even when Jillian is in the middle of a dialogue and the camera's on Jillian and David walks in, you can see a man in the background blurry walking in. So, I mean, that could be mm. his body double. Yeah. I couldn't really yeah. tell. Moonlighting fans, if you want to go and watch this scene, it's very interesting how if you really study it closely, Mm. it was done at different times, which we know that that's obviously common in moonlighting, but this particular scene, um, I would have liked to have seen all three of them in the same room. I know. It makes me want to go watch it again right now, you know, just Mm. like pay more attention to that because, yeah, you're totally right. It 
shots, very much tight shots and single shots, a lot of cutting from person to person. Yeah. I think Sybil needed a break during this episode. Mm. So Gillian gives Maddie her address and contact details to see if she wants to take the case. So she goes to leave. And of course, these are all single shots again. Nice to meet you. Good seeing you again, David. And as usual, good to be seen. Yeah. That's a great line. I love that. And he walks out and watches her go out, walks up to the door and he stands there. And I don't know. I don't know what's going through Maddie's head right now. She's thinking, I think I've got some competition. Yeah. David's looking very kind of forlorn. I was going to say Maddie, maybe she's a bit um, caught off guard. She doesn't come off as that jealous. No, not yet. Yeah, not yet. She's almost like amused, maybe taking it all in, trying to read this, what's going on here and how serious is this? Is it over? How serious was it? He goes to the door, watches Gillian go out, and she's like, I feel like I've just walked in the middle of a movie, which is a very good line. Mm. It's quite true. Yeah, very true. You could see, you know, it was so intense the way he was looking Mm. at her and she's looking at him and the music and it was all coming together. Yeah, and it's like for the first time in Moonlighting, he's not taking Maddie into account. She doesn't really exist for the moment. That's a, that's a change. That is a change. For us, for us and for Maddie. And we will talk more about that um, during this episode as mm. well. So David's demeanor really changes after Jillian leaves and Maddie really calls it out. He, <laughs> what? It's kind of like, it reminds me of Danny Zuko in Greece. <laughs> yes. When, you know, that scene when he runs into, you know, Olivia Newton-John unexpectedly and he's like, <gasps> Oh my gosh, you know all about her. And then his, when his friends call it out, he's like, oh, you know, it's nothing, man. It's cool. It's cool, you know. Yeah, when he says, you know, you know, what it is, man, rocking and rolling. <laughs> right, rocking and rolling. <laughs> kind of turns into a jerk, you know. Yeah. So David turns into this cocky, what, her? It was nothing, just another girl. Great set of eyes, yeah. great set of lips, terrific set of, did I happen to mention eyes? Happen to mention <laughs> yes, all that dialogue is so good, especially how Maddie then says it back to him. So what happens now? What happens now what? Well, for starters, should we take the case or will your mind forever be on that happened to mention great set of eyes? She's starting to show a little bit of concern now. And then she said, do we take the case? He goes, that was three years ago. In fact, you want to hear something terrible? You're not going to sing, are you? <laughs> <laughs> like an inside joke. Inside joke, right? I love it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, the inside joke. I thought that too. Yeah. I also noted a little bit more of Sybil here than Maddie. The mm-hmm. look on her face, the reactions, the little bit of a, you know, coy, sly, devilish mm-hmm. grin, or like, I don't know. That could just be more because uh, we have seen them a little bit more outside of the show recently. Just some of the facial expressions and things like that are a little bit more Maddie. You know what? I don't know whether that was a good thing or a bad thing to see that footage of them waiting to be interviewed. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, I think it was great to me, but uh, I know what you mean. But that's the fun of Moonlighting, how it's a very fine line between Sybil and Bruce and Maddie and David. Mm -hmm. And you can see them bleed through here and there. Mm. Yeah, it's just kind of fun to see it in a way. But um, to me, sometimes you notice those things as well the same time I do. But you're saying you didn't really pick up on it. But um, yeah, watch it again and see what you think with some yeah. of the reactions, facial expressions and things like that. Plus, you got to remember, she's got to do these facial expressions with nobody there or somebody <laughs> saying the line and then she yeah. has to make the expression. So mm-hmm. I think yeah, sometimes right. it doesn't quite match what the previous dialogue is. Yeah. 
majority of the time it's perfect. But sometimes you think, hang on, that reaction didn't really match what that person said. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, you can tell it was a, a bit like edited or pieced together because, you know, it was more difficult to film these things back in the day. So David is playing it down. He's making out, you know, she's just another girl making out that he couldn't remember her name. He calls her old Gloria and you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It was a fling. It wasn't even a fling. It was a fl. <laughs> sure, David, who, who are you trying to convince here? Because, you know, we could all see from his reaction earlier that that just wasn't true. The mistaken name thing happens a lot in Moonlighting. We've got a whole compilation on that on YouTube. Common things that happen in Moonlighting, you know, they're constantly doing that mistaken name thing. One cut I really liked her response to was when he says, it was weird walking in seeing old Gloria. And she's like, Jillian, yeah, sitting there dressed and everything. And she looks away. Mm-hmm. I love that response. Yes. Because what can you really say to that? <laughs> David's downplaying it. Maddie is intrigued. Yeah. And he goes to leave and she goes, Hey, you going to call her? Mm-hmm. And in a very concerned way. And he says, Who's that? And she's like, oh, you are incredible. Julian told you, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a quick, quick comeback. That's funny. <laughs> you know, just goes along with Jillian's theory that she says in the next scene, always allergic to a straight answer. Yeah, that's a great line. I love that. Yeah, it's so true of him too, you know? Yeah, she's trying to kind of play it cool. Like, are you going to call her? What happens next kind of thing? Or like, what are you going to do? Or yeah, where does this go? And then she gets nothing from him, which is really frustrating. So let's talk a little bit about Dana Delaney. Yeah. Dana Delaney was born in March 56 in New York, and she was raised in Stamford, Connecticut. And she knew from an early age that she wanted to be an actress. Yeah, it looks like her career begins in 1973. In 1981, she was in As the World Turns as Hayley Wilson. 85, she was in Moonlighting. She was in two episodes of Magnum P.I. in 86 and 87. She did six episodes of Sweet Surrender, the TV series in 1987. So then she got her big break on getting the role of Colleen McMurphy in China Beach, which ran from um, 1988 to 1991. And there she did 61 episodes. She did 13 episodes of Wing Commander Academy in 1996. She did three episodes playing herself in the Larry Sanders show. And she was the voice of Lois Lane in Superman, the animated TV series from 96 to 2000. 13 episodes of Kidnapped, the TV series from 2006 to 2007. And most recently, she played Catherine Mayfair in Desperate Housewives between 2007 and 2012. And she was in the TV series Bull in 2018, playing Sylvia Banner, which Glenn mentioned in our interview that he asked her to do that episode as a favour. Yeah. And up to last year, 2021, she was doing a mini series called The American Guest. So she has 101 actor credits. She is five foot six. So she can stand next to Bruce with ease. Yes. I've always loved Dana Delaney. I've followed her from as long as I can remember. And I always loved watching China Beach. And I named my second daughter after her. I know. That's so cool. Hmm. Dana. My little Dana. Except I changed the spelling. Hmm. Because 
Yeah, because at the beginning, you know, I had it as D-A-N-A, but people were calling her Dana. So so I changed it to Dana as in D-A-Y-N-A. Okay, yeah. And she loves her name. Mm, That's great. So that's a little bit about Dana Delaney. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The one thing I remember about when this episode aired, the day after it aired, so many people were telling my mom, oh, your twin was on Moonlighting last night. My mom had a very similar haircut at the time and, you know, kind of same coloring. Oh, really? <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. So when I just remember so vividly that so many people were like, oh, your, your mom's twin was on Moonlighting last night or telling my mom your, your twin was on Moonlighting last night. Um, and that was Dana Delaney. So whatever this look was at the time, my mom had that straight cut with the bangs, you know, the fringe, I think you say. So what do you think of Dana Delaney's haircut in this episode? I think it's kind of cute, like that straight bob with the the straight kind of short bangs. I think it suits her. What do you think? Yeah, it does because her physique is quite small. So I think and the shape of her face really suits that haircut with the bob. Yeah, and it really kind of highlights her eyes. Her eyes are really kind of pretty hazel color. I think uh, it looks really cute. Okay, so on to the next scene and David knocks on the door of Gillian's hotel room. But I have a feeling that she was expecting him, but she's acting very surprised. I think she knows how to play David Addison like a fiddle. I think Mm. she's very in tune and she did that for a long time, however long their relationship was. We're not quite sure, but we quickly find out it was a lot more serious than he's trying to make it out to Maddie. I find him very vulnerable in Mm. this episode and he really opens up his heart here. And. You know, he really opens up his heart about how he feels about her leaving and, you know, really showing his emotions. And I wrote here, why doesn't he do this with Maddie? (laughs) Yeah. Well, this woman clearly hurt him quite deeply. Mm. He's come there for closure. Yep. He's looking his best. He's in his full suit and everything, looking very, like, pressed and put together. You know, he wants to, he's come to impress. It's like... Maybe she did something to him that not many women have ever done to him. And that is she left him unexpectedly. It sounds like he came home one day and she was gone and it was out of the blue and he didn't expect it. And he was like really, really hurt. What's that? Say goodbye. Leave a note. Slam the door. It was a sucker punch, honey. Never saw it coming. Caught me right square in the gut. Well, maybe a little higher. I just love this scene, how 
he's being so honest and open. You're right, he is dressed to impress, dressed up very nice. It's not his day suit, that's for sure. Talking small talk, talking about how extravagant the room is. Yeah. And she just blurts out, I'm married. Yeah. Now, my question is, this part of the episode confuses me. He already knows that her name is Gillian Armstrong. Gillian Armstrong is her married name. So wouldn't he have assumed that she was married? Because Gillian Armstrong would not have been her name when they were together. I thought about that for a second, but I don't think he does know that she has a different last name, does he? Because he wasn't in the room when she was introduced. Yeah, but when Gillian gave Maddie the note, she would have put her name and address on it and had that on a piece of paper. Therefore, how would he have got the details of where she was living? Yeah. How did he know where she was staying? You know, but he's a detective, you know, maybe he <laughs> followed her. Maybe. He... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Could have been anything. Yeah. But then how do you ask for the room, what room number she's in and all that stuff? You know, I mean, I don't know if the hotel would give it to her, right? You know, yes, I agree. It crossed my mind as well. Like, well, doesn't he know by her last name that she's married, you know, or maybe he wanted to hear it from her mouth, straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Well, that sped things along. Another thing, just in the timeline of of David Addison's life. um, Okay, so we know that he was married to Tess and he was living in New York and all that stuff. And he was in his early 20s. You know, here in this day and age of Moonlighting, he's about 30. We always think of him as kind of a player type, you know, good time, David Addison going from girl to girl. But he had a marriage that was probably, I don't know, we can guess three years or something like that. Then he moves to Los Angeles and um, he was with Tess long enough to have lived together and all of that to have a long-term, you know, pretty serious relationship. And that was three years prior, which would mean it ended when he was 27. So there's not a lot of time for him to be kind of that good time bachelor guy, is there? Maybe that's just how he lived in between. But, you know, some insight into the character of David, he can be quite committed when he wants to be. He's a complicated little fella. Yeah. He was invested in this. He said she leaves and just like that his grocery bill is cut in half. That's a great line. Yeah. But also insight, you know, they were living together. He was paying bills. You know what I mean? It just like, uh, I guess it hits on the seriousness and the domestic life that they were living. It's not the David Addison that we know. Yeah. But slowly things are coming out and it possibly explains his behavior, how he doesn't want to get hurt again. And he's playing the tough guy and not showing his emotions. And because I think he's got a feeling that Maddie could possibly hurt him. Yeah, I think like you were saying, you know, why can he be this vulnerable with Jillian? Because the wound is already there, because she's already hurt him, because he needs closure. It's probably something he's thought about a lot. Like she just disappeared basically overnight. Why? Mm. Why was I left like this? So and he did love her. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. I mean, now he has that tough exterior with Maddie because he doesn't want to get hurt again. It would have hurt his ego immensely. Yes. And Maddie has her armor up as well for various reasons. That's how Maddie and David don't relate to each other in a very vulnerable way often. Mm. He can do that with Jillian because the wound is already there. He needs some closure. You know, he's definitely come come there for that. But gosh, Jillian, what a manipulator, huh? I mean, she knows how to play this guy. Wow. Like you watching this in 1985 for the first time, you wouldn't have guessed it. No. At this part of the episode. 
We hope you're enjoying listening to Moonlighting the podcast. And for all you devoted Moonlighting fans out there, we now have Moonlighting merchandise. Check it out at redbubble.com slash people slash moonpod2016. But we get a little bit of yep. history of um, Gillian that obviously she was a bank teller and Harlan used to request her window at the bank and right. the romance went from there and they got married. The conversation with David starts to get a little heated here. She wanted more from the relationship. You know, she wanted money. She wanted the lifestyle, but that yep. wasn't going to happen with him. So yes. she thought. Yeah. And she kind of says a telling line. I got the right life with the wrong guy. I guess she's saying she loves David, but she needed a different lifestyle. Harlan can supply the lifestyle, but she didn't have the love. And this is where she starts planting the seed where the rich get insulted when you try to leave them. They follow you. Mm -hmm. They try to buy you off. Mm -hmm. And when that doesn't work, they threaten you. So she's planted the seed for future occurrences in the episode. But David's still really hurt. He says, well, don't worry. I think you're still going to land on your feet. Yeah. And what a surprise, she goes to walk to the balcony. I know. And let me comment on this dress that she's wearing for a minute. That, that yeah, I was going to say that belt. too. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that massive belt, you know, so 80s, wasn't it? Like right around the hip there. Yes. It was yeah. very, very Agnes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yes, it, it did have touches of a, like the style that Agnes wore. That belt was just definitely oversized for that dress, which is, yeah, it's just funny. Very 80s. But yeah, so she walks to the balcony. And she's standing there hoping that he'll follow her. But he starts walking out but changes his mind, turns back, and that's when he thinks, no, I've had enough of this. I'm going to blurt it out and starts yelling at her saying, you know what, one thing you could have done was just one lousy phone call. You just could have rang me. You could have got the money from Harlan. Of course, she turns around, leans on it, almost falls. I get anxiety watching that too. (laughs) It's a bit like Money Talks, Maddie Walks. It's like you're watching the guy on the mm. ledge. I'm like, God. Gosh. <sighs> I mean, Especially. she really had all that planned out. And is it that easy to loosen a balcony on a hotel? <laughs> I was like, she did that? She loosened that balcony enough where the, if she leaned on it, she leaned back pretty far. Of course, she knew David. You know, He's a protector that he would grab her and all of that stuff. But gosh, I mean, she really manipulating everything here. She's had it all planned out. Talk about a black widow. She is a black widow. Yeah. That's a very action-packed scene where she she goes right back, doesn't she? Yeah, she falls back a little too close for comfort. And she now has him right in her claws. <laughs> yes, right. She's got him right where she wants him. Now that he's got her back in his arms, you can tell it was very much like a I still love you kind of hug, grasp. Yes. So now it's the next morning and... Maddie comes into Blue Moon and says, good morning, Mr. Pesto. Good morning, Miss Hayes. But Mr. Pesto doesn't even look up. Did you notice that? Yeah, but Maddie's kind of just cruising on by too, right? Like, morning, Miss mm. Hayes. Morning, Mr. Pesto. Kind of what she was looking for when she came in um, in uh, My Fair David. Good morning, Miss Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> so she walks into her office and David is in her seat. Actually, she doesn't even notice that David's sitting in her seat. And she says, you're in my seat. Please, there are children watching. Oh, my God. Now, that's a line that they slip past the censors. They slip that one past, that's for sure. And uh, he says something right be- before that, too. Yep. Another 
kind of innuendo thing that was pretty risque. Do you remember the line that he said before that? Oh, uh, when he says, uh, what's shaking? Hey, partner, what's shaking? Besides you, I mean. Besides you, I mean. Yeah. Besides you. <laughs> now, in the life of moonlighting, mm-hmm. we get David sitting in Maddie's chair when she, you know, unexpectedly when she comes into her office a couple times, maybe definitely twice, maybe three times. I'm not sure. But anytime he is sitting there waiting for her, he's got some like important business. And this is one of those times. He's very serious from the beginning besides his opening jokes. Like she says, the intensity. Also, let's just comment on how beautiful Sybil looks here. Love the outfit. Yes, lovely outfit. I was watching it again last night and some of these suits that she wears, I can't work out what color they are. Anyway, yeah. this, this one seems to be like a really light apricot, do you reckon? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't quite know how to categorize the color. But, yeah, the pattern, the silkiness, the belted, you know, I mean, you know, Robert Turteris just knew exactly how to dress Sybil's figure so nicely. Her hair, her makeup, and then we have the lighting and I'd say a heavy filter in today's episode. It's so heavy that as the film has aged a little bit, I think it looks a bit blurry. It's, it's a bit much. Yes, especially when I think it's when he asks her for a favor and she says, how much? And he says, Maddie, you wound me. Good, it's working. Um, it yeah, during that scene, she's got that louver, the Venetian blind look, looking up at yeah. him. But if you look behind David, there's no Venetian blinds. So. <laughs> Yes, there's no light coming through any slits of, yeah. No. Yes, it's very much like lighting the eyes, you know, as Jerry Finderman like to do. Very much like 40s leading lady type of lighting. And, you know, it looks great, but she just doesn't need that heavy filter to me. No, I you don't know, think so. At this stage of the game. But she does look beautiful there. And um, I love the unspokenness in the room, you know, David and the intensity. And he knows that she knows that he's focused on something else. And that this intensity is coming from Jillian and he's a little bit desperate and needs Maddie's help and really wants her to go to talk to Harlan and all these other things that he's asking her. So she says, oh, you two talked because you're in her hotel room. Talk about the hand of fate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wrote the same thing you just said, the intensity, the way he's looking at her, like, will you do it? There's silence and she looks at him and he looks at her and she's like, Wow. And you're looking at him and he's looking at her so intently that it's so serious for him. He really wants to to help Jillian, but mm-hmm. he's not yeah. thinking with his head. <laughs> if you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's sweet in a way. It's like how David helps Maddie in other times yes. in the series. She puts, you know, her personal feelings aside to help him. At sweet. the same time, though, she's angry about it. While they're having their discussion, he thinks that Harlan took the locket and she's like, never seen you like this. He goes, what are you talking about? And he gets so defensive. Yeah. He like, doesn't want her to see that. He is very no. vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, that's Jillian. That's yeah. right. She says, why don't you go and visit him? And he goes, well, I don't know how much he knows. So he's worried that Harlan might know about Jillian and David. So he wants Maddie to go and visit him and have a chat and see what he knows. Sounds like fun. Hey, I owe you. Right. Next time someone I used to sleep with leaves his wife, I'll be sure to ask you to give the little lady the once-over. And that's when we reach the blooper scene from The Straight Poop when he says, I owe you. Yeah, I love this blooper. So my funny. favorite blooper. 
I love him saying, yo, you, knucklehead. Hey. <laughs> yo, you, knucklehead. Turn around. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. What, please? Keep rolling. Here we go. Action. Hey. I owe you. Yeah. Well, next time, next time I have somebody I used to sleep with, I'm going to tell him to have you give him the once over by the girl and the old lady, too. (laughs) 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 I love how this is like the behind the scenes insight that we want, how they talk to each other. Well, they were doing a scene when it was like Sybil Bruce, Maddie David. Yeah, you know? this scene, she stuffed up so bad. It was so funny. I just love watching it. <laughs> yes. And kind of laughs and leaves and he kind of just waltzes out behind her, you know, kind of follows her out, like kind of laughing, making light of it because we always hear so much strife on the set. It's fun and nice to see when the uh, blooper that they're all kind of laughing about. So good. But uh, I've noticed that the scene... How it's cut, I think they could have done a <laughs> look me like Monday morning quarterbacking, but they could have edited the scene a little bit better or something. It's almost like, okay, when you watch the blooper, how they had it set up is different from how it looked on the show. Like they did more of close-ups instead of that wide shot. And I thought the wide shot looked better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're standing in a different position in the blooper, I reckon. Yeah. It just and it's like a real close-up on her. She had to say the line later instead of getting that full shot of them like over David's shoulder looking at her that would have been a better shot than like her close-up saying it yeah I didn't like it as much I didn't like how they had the shot set up as much as like how it looked in the blooper yeah it was completely yeah, I don't different know. who knows who yeah, knows I don't know why I don't know who knows but yeah it just seemed like uh, the setup was good for the blooper and but then they had to set up on the other side. That was the one side. And, but even filming her from behind and David in the background or standing away from her looked different as well. Yeah, just anyway, I like the shot that they showed in the blooper more. Yeah, it's great. He calls her knucklehead and she just starts cackling. It's just hilarious. Yeah, it's really cute. And it's a little insight, like things that we want to see how they kind of interacted on the set. And it's really so funny be- because what she says in the blooper it's a big mm. variation of the actual script because she mentions at the end of it, she says, oh, and the old lady too. I'm like, what? <laughs> and the old lady too, yeah. Next time there's someone that I used to sleep with. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she kind of totally forgets the line and kind of tries to flub her way through it, but so it doesn't work. I like how we can hear the director saying, quite on the set, rolling, you know, and things like that. Like, yeah, it's just a fun Really fun blooper to watch anyway. But that's right. That's what we want to hear. <laughs> I know. We want to see those things. Come on when you're streaming. Give us some extras like that. Yeah, absolutely. So Maddie's getting quite angry now because she doesn't want to help Jillian. She doesn't want to help him get closer to Jillian. She doesn't want to go and see Harlan Armstrong. She goes out into the office area and again, he blocks her way because he's still trying to protect her as well. He doesn't want her to get the wrong idea about Jillian. So I think David's torn a little bit in this scene too. He's torn, but not get the wrong idea. I mean, he's really focusing on Jillian. He's, I mean, Mm. Maddie is like an afterthought right now, which is like such a turn for moonlighting at this point. But yeah, why is he, it's like, he doesn't want Maddie to be mad, but he really wants to help Jillian more than he wants Maddie not to be mad or, you know, I don't know. It's like, he does have a bit of mixed feelings, but I don't believe what he's saying to Maddie. Like, look, don't get the wrong idea. Da, da, da. It's not true. David, it's obvious. You're focused on Jillian and yeah. you still love her. You still have feelings. By the way, before we move on from that, 
I've got to mention, I love how when Maddie puts on her jacket in the office and Bruce fixes it for her, he does it like a professional. He like takes both shoulders and kind of gives it a little tweak and it kind of falls perfectly. <laughs> I love how he yeah, does that. Yeah, that's right. I love how he fixes that jacket. Oh. It's like he's been doing it his whole life. I think he has. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Robert Tordery showed him how to fix the jacket or something, you know, mm. maybe it was, or maybe it's just Bruce. But uh, anyway, back to, you know, the Maddie storms out, but for good reason, he's putting her in kind of a weird situation, you know, but at the end of the day, they're partners and this is their detective agency and she's come in as a client. Like, how can Maddie really say no? No, that's true. Does she go out and slam the door? Yeah, she kind of shoves past office workers and stuff and kind of yes, leaves in a huff. Yeah. And she slams the door. So the next scene, she's gone to Armstrong Pharmaceuticals and she's in Harlan's office. So this is the first time we see Harlan Armstrong. Seems to be a very broken man, half lit. His side of the scene is dark and her side of the scene is light, even though he hasn't opened the curtain yet. So they have a bit of a conversation and then he decides to open the electric curtain, presses a button. Yeah, so it's a nice little scene here. He's asking her about the locket and he doesn't know anything about it and he's telling her how heartbroken he is and Gillian doesn't want to see him and I suspect you're the type that breaks hearts. And this is another scene where, again... They're only single shots. There's no shot at all with them together. I know. It's like Sybil came in one day and just did all her single shots and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yes, I totally agree. I think it was a point in the show where she needed a break and they tried to make her scenes as simple as possible. Anytime I watch this scene, two things. I always think like we're not getting the full scene here. Like, And maybe it is the, the simple single shots and they're not in the same room together. Normally we would see like her walking in them shaking hands. I'm Maddie Hayes. I feel like it's half a scene. I feel like we're not getting the full scene here of Maddie and the business that she has to do there. You know, we kind of come in in the middle of their conversation in a way, but these dialogues with the cases are always very important because it's really a commentary on what's going on with Maddie and David as well. And Mm -hmm. what he's saying to Maddie it's a lot of facial expressions and reactions from yes. Sybil, Maddie, yep. and a lot of side eye saying, like, I suspect you're the type that breaks hearts. And she's kind of looks to the side like she's not too sure about that. And he's saying, you think there are givens in life that someone's always going to be there for you. And then you find out that maybe that's not true. And, you know, he's kind of saying those kind of things. And, you know, that's how Maddie's feeling a bit with David. The conversation really relates to David and Maddie, doesn't it? Really from this point on through third season, the cases always mirror what's going on with Maddie and David. So that dialogue with the clients is important to listen to, like from here on out, really. But Maddie's kind of maybe starting to realize that she thought David was kind of, you know, always, always saying partners forever. I mean that. Like, I'm always going to be there. This is a long-term thing. And she knows that he has a crush on her as well. But with Jillian stepping into the picture, things have changed a little bit. Maybe these aren't the givens. Maybe those things aren't true. I think it's really hit her now like a ton of bricks. Yeah, I think through what Harlan's saying, it's like, yeah, he that's what he realized about Jillian, but that's what Maddie's starting to realize about David. She thought he'd be there through thick and thin and for a long time to come, and maybe that's not so true, you know? And from his actions and words, it's what he intended. He intended to leave with Jillian if other mm-hmm. things hadn't been discovered, which is kind of shocking, but we'll get to that. This actor who plays yeah. Harlan Armstrong is Joel Kolodna, He plays this so well. He's really a broken man. Yeah. And the lighting on him really accentuates that. And 
is too scared to even ring her or go to the hotel. Anyway, um, Joel Kolodner was born in May 46 in Brooklyn, New York. He's known for Remington Steel in 82. This is my son in 77 and Not My Kid in 1985. His career began in 1974. He did an episode of Eight is Enough, Barnaby Jones. Looks like his longest stint was in a TV series called Texas between 80 and 81. He did 61 episodes of that. He did two episodes of St. Elsewhere. He was Harlan Armstrong in Moonlighting. He had several other roles in 21 Jump Street, LA Law. Looks like the last thing he did was in 2013. So if you recognize him from any of those shows, that's Joel Kolodner. He looks a bit familiar. So Maddie exits the office and she's in the reception area of Armstrong Pharmaceuticals and she realizes that um, David's at the hospital. Yeah, that's right. I think it's funny that David calls there. I guess he knew that he could leave a message with the receptionist. It's funny that he sent Maddie there because he didn't want to, you know, be associated with because of Harlan, but he calls there to leave a message for Maddie. Yes. <laughs> pre cell phones, pre texting. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You have to ring an office. So now we're at the hospital and David is stroking Jillian's face. She's looks like she's on a drip in bed. We don't know why. But even when Maddie walks in, she's got that suspicious look on her face, don't you think? She's like, oh, is she all right? <laughs> don't you reckon? <laughs> Really, she really cares, huh? No, is she all right? Again, the care factor is zero. <laughs> Maddie gives like zero fucks, right? I know, exactly. <laughs> and like, you know, she walks in and, and this poor bitch is lying on her back with a drip in her arm. <laughs> After, you know, trying, you know, overdosing and Maddie doesn't give a shit. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of bleeps in this episode. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Um, there's some commentary on how much Maddie cares about Jillian, you know. Yeah. Just go away, Jillian. <laughs> we see David being very caring, you know, stroking her hair back. Oh, he's hook, line, and sinker, isn't he? He's back in her little world again, in her cobweb, and he's fallen for her again. He tells Maddie that they pumped her stomach and the husband gave her tablets and she was only supposed to have two a night, but she took more or the dosage was higher than what she thought. I don't know. He, he's get, got all these ideas in his head that Harlan Armstrong's given high dosage of tablets to his wife. But, of course, Maddie doesn't want to admit that. She just sees a coincidence. It's, she doesn't feel like she's in danger, whereas David really feels like there's too many things that have happened that definitely Harlan Armstrong is involved in. And he's to blame for all these yeah. events that have happened. So he tells her about how the balcony railing gave way. She's taken 10 times the dosage. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense because he says you're supposed to take two pills a night and she swears that's all she took. Oh, but she had 10 times the dosage. So he's trying to say that the husband came over and maybe like forced her to swallow it. Yeah, either that or he's just increased the milligrams of the tablets as in Okay. dosage would have been higher. That's what I Right. Would. Yeah. Maddie thinks it's a coincidence. So what, did she forget to check her horoscope, break a mirror, kick a black cat? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, know, I love that. They definitely have two very different perspectives on what's going on here. Couple thoughts all the way along. David does need Maddie there. She still is his crutch in a way, I guess. 
he calls her there. He wants her there. Um, I guess it's about the case, but still he always keeps Maddie abreast of what's going on. I guess I like this walk and talk with them. I like this whole scene. There's a lot of dialogue. This is a heavy scene for them. A lot of fast dialogue coming up, but they're each making valid points. And it is a question, you know, where she's very skeptical and like, "Mm, I think this is a coincidence and that you're thinking with something else, not your head, that your lust for Jillian has marred your thinking on this. His question back to Maddie is, if this was just a normal client, wouldn't you see it from my point of view that, you know, twice in a couple of days, she's had a near-death experience? David's convinced it's murder attempts. And he asked Maddie, well, you saw the husband, does the shoe fit? And she goes, not even close. He's a wounded bird. Of course, David says, looks like he put on quite a show, but Maddie disagrees and that he has no motive. Yeah. But David disagrees again and says, of course, he has a motive. How about grief, anger, money? Like, there's so many reasons he thinks that Harlan would want to kill her, especially money, seeing he's a very rich man. Maddie's thinking, you know what? You're not thinking clearly about this case. (laughs) What's that supposed to mean? Do I have to draw you a picture? (laughs) I know. (laughs) God, she gets so mean to David here. Yeah, and that's when David realizes, oh, you're jealous. She loses her mind. Mm The only person around here who has an emotional problem is you, not me. And the emotion is not jealousy, it's lust. Uh, This dialogue back and forth is really fast. And it was, you could kind of tell maybe they had to do it a few times that Sybil was really trying to get the words out in the right order at a high speed. But also, you know, with Maddie saying like, there's no way Harlan, no way I saw him and he was wounded bird and he couldn't have done this. Maddie's may not be thinking clearly either because she's kind of relating to Harlan. Either of them are really thinking that clearly, you know, because they're all looking from their own perspectives. Emotions are running high for both of them for different reasons. You're jealous. You are jealous. Of what? Of who? Of Jillian. Boy, you got it backwards. The only person around here who has an emotional problem is you, not me. And the emotion isn't jealousy, it's lust. Look me in the eye and tell me that if I hadn't known Jillian before, you would at least consider the possibility that her life could be in danger. Look me in the eye and tell me if it had been anyone else, you would have worked so hard to try to find a reason to stick so close. You are. You're jealous. Stop freezing with your underwear. Does that mean you're not going to help me take this case? What case? There is no case. She didn't hire us to go by her hotel room every night. She didn't? No, she didn't. You could have fooled me. A gnat with a lobotomy could fool you. (laughs) That's so mean. Yes. What case? There is no case. You know, this is a common theme, too. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) there is no case. We're not taking the case or there is no case once we have it, you know? You know what, Shauna? That's another thing we could have counted. Yeah, that's true. How many times, you know, they weren't going to take a case and maybe someone else out there will count it for us. But I also love the episode when she says she wants to take the case and he's in shock. Yeah, and he doesn't. And he says, let's save four pages of dialogue or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I think he says somebody Xeroxed the wrong script or something. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, we'll get get to it. We'll get to it. That's part of the trilogy. I think that's Maddie's turn to cry. One of my favorite episodes. So yeah, that's a great scene, a classic scene of a real like nose to nose, you know, there's like memes and things like that, of that scene of right in each other's faces, yelling nose to nose. Great scene, great dialogue, great acting, well-delivered, really fast, find out a lot of information. Yes. It's intense, fast paced. They're very close to each other. And I know there's a lot of dialogue, them coming down the corridor, but there's a lot of single shots as well in that scene. Yes, true. But yeah, at least we do see them together. The next scene, it is now nighttime and we see Gillian smoking in her car. David shows up with the BMW 
a great song blaring. Apparently it was his choice and it stays on throughout the scene, even though it does go down and up depending on what's going on. There's a lot of chemistry between them both, I felt. There's romance. There's an element of danger. What did you think in general of this scene? Uh, yeah, I like the scene. Um, I was trying to think of the logistics of it because why are they meeting there? Okay, well, first of all, how many days later is this after she overdosed in the hospital? You know, because now she seems perfectly fine, sitting in a car, smoking a cigarette. It seems like David's asked her to meet at the park. David has the BMW. It's not like that same day, you know what I mean, that we just saw where Maddie got mad and left in the hospital. It's got to be a couple of days later, right? You would um, think that would be a couple of days or even a week. Yeah, she looked like she was in pretty bad shape in the hospital. So she's had to recover enough to like smoke a cigarette in the car. And then uh, when David comes, she says, um, what are we doing here, David? So it's almost like he asked her to meet there. That's the impression I got. But it, it's got to be her manipulation. Maybe, you know, somehow she made it seem like it was his idea because maybe she needed it to seem like his idea. So it wasn't a setup. Because she needed him to meet her at the park. The thing is, it's just like, why are they meeting at the park? Because he could just go to her hotel room. They've been there before. Well, I guess with everything that's happened, he's worried that Harlan Armstrong will be Mm -hmm. watching somehow. So he didn't want to go to the hotel room. David has contacted Jillian and said, let's just go and meet at the park. Now, in the meantime, she's thought, oh, good idea. So, So what I'll do is I'll get Harlan to meet me at the park half an hour earlier kill the bastard (laughs) and then go back to my car and wait for David to arrive. Thank you for listening to Knowing Her Part 1. Stay tuned next week for Part 2. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.